I would like you to turn to the New Testament book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, and we will be looking at verses 17 through 20. This morning we will be celebrating the Lord's Supper together as the people of God, and so this will help us to prepare our hearts and our minds. If you're visiting with us this morning, I am working through the book of Ephesians verse by verse. We took a break during the month of October because in October each year we emphasize and focus on local evangelism and so had a different series of messages. But this morning we return to our study in Ephesians. And this is what the Apostle Paul writes. Ephesians four seventeen through 20. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But, That is not the way you learned Christ. I have entitled this message, which is the first of two messages, it's a two-part message, put off the old man and put on the new man, because that's Paul's focus now as he moves into this latter part of chapter 4. And so our first point this morning is walk in a worthy manner. In Ephesians 4.1, the Apostle Paul exhorts us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. As we have worked our way through the book of Ephesians, this wonderful epistle, this New Testament book, this inspired scripture of the Holy Spirit, we have seen in the first three chapters, Paul describe our great salvation in Christ. We have seen Paul describe who we are in Christ and all the blessings that we have in Christ. And the last three chapters, Paul, in a sense, transitions and says, now live like who you are. I want you to live like the godly man that you are, like the godly woman that you are, based upon all that Christ has done for you. And verse 1 has been called the gateway to the second half of the book of Ephesians. We are to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we have been called. Now let's think of what we've already learned so far in chapter 4 of the book of Ephesians since it's been a little bit since we've been there. We are to walk this worthy walk and we are to do it in humility in gentleness, in patience, and love. We are to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Why is unity among Christians so important? Well, Paul tells us in chapter 4, because there is one body, one Spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And then Paul goes on to tell us that each one of us, every single person who has made a conscious decision to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior, each person who has, 
has received a spiritual gift or spiritual gifts that enables them to minister in the, excuse me, in the body of Christ. Paul then says that the church has been given gifted teachers, evangelists, and pastors and teachers who are to equip, who are to equip the saints for work of ministry and for the building up of the body of Christ. And we have two things that we are to strive for as the as we build up the body of Christ, two things. First, we are all to attain to the unity of the faith. And I believe that refers to the faith, the essential teachings of the Christian faith, in that we are all to be unified in the essential teachings of the Christian faith found in the pages of our authority, the Word of God, We are to be unified in what we believe and what we stand for. But we are also to attain to the knowledge of the Son of God. What we learn in the Word of God in the Bible is to help us to experience the realness of the living and resurrected Christ in our lives every day. We are to long to know Him, to walk with Him, to love Him. To let him guide us and to lead us until we all attain to the knowledge of the Son of God. And in so doing, we are to speak the truth in love. And we are to grow up into Christ. We are all to strive to become Christ-like because he is our head. Not only is he the head of the church, but he is our head in the sense that The only reason we have resurrection life is because of our head, Jesus Christ, who gives us that life. And every part, every single part of the body of Christ, every man, every woman is to work together to build us up in love. And I love how he ends that there in verse 16. We are to build one another up and we are to do it always in love. Well, that brings us to our text this morning. Knowing all this, Paul then says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Based on everything I've just said, you are to no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Now, it is important for us as Bible students, as students of God's scripture, to know that in the New Testament, the word Gentiles is used in two different ways. Sometimes the word Gentiles is used in its traditional sense, both racially and ethnically. It simply means non-Jews. So we have Jews and we have Gentiles. But sometimes in the New Testament, the word Gentiles refers to all people who are apart from God, who do not know God. And that is how Paul is using it in this particular text Gentiles is used here as a reference to every person without Christ. It refers to all ungodly, unregenerate, and immoral people who do not know Christ, who are unaware of God's righteousness and of God's commands. And it is good to remind ourselves that Paul is writing to a specific church here. The reason it's called the book of Ephesians is because Paul is writing to the Christians in the city of Ephesus. 
The city of Ephesus was a very immoral city at this particular time in history. We often think of Corinth as being immoral, but so was Ephesus. Ephesus was the home of the great temple of Artemis, also known as the Temple of Diana. If you are a Bible student, you probably are already aware of that. If not, that's good to know. Ephesus was a very prominent place in the whole world at this time for what we would term pagan worship. The great temple of Artemis was rebuilt three different times and in its third building was known as one of the seven wonders of the world. So he is talking to a group of Christians who are living in a very immoral culture. And he says, I don't want you to forget who you are in Christ. I don't want you to forget who you are because you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. And let's think of what Paul, very briefly here, of what Paul has already told us in the first three chapters of Ephesians. Some great truths. And I'm just skimming the surface here. But he begins by saying, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And as I shared with you before, you'll spend the rest of your earthly life on into eternity trying to understand all that that means. He also says that in him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. In him, in Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And then we learned that we were dead. Before we came to Christ, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but God. That wonderful little phrase, but God made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. So knowing all of this, brothers and sisters, he is saying, I now say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. And that brings us to our second point, which is the Gentiles. The Gentiles, as used by Paul in this passage, are described as having four general characteristics. So we're going to stay right with the text. We're going to let the text expose itself and explain to us what he doesn't want us to do in how these Gentiles were living. So four general characteristics. First of all, They walk in the futility of their minds. The end of verse 17. Futility of their minds is an interesting phrase. It literally means their lives were focused on the trivial and the temporal. Everything in their lives focused on them. They were selfish, self-centered, self-absorbed. The whole universe, as far as they were concerned, centered on them. They were focused on this life. What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? How am I going to have fun? What recreation am I going to do? Everything was only about them. Second, the second characteristic is they are darkened in their understanding. Verse 18. 
They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. The reason they live the way they do, the way they think, and why they think the way they do is because they are darkened. Which means that when it comes to a knowledge of God and his salvation in Christ, they lived in the dark. They didn't know anything about it. They were in essence cut off from the salvation, the saving life of Christ, alienated from it, cut off from it. And, Paul says, it was all due to their hardness of heart. They knew nothing of God, of a judgment to come. And they don't want to know about God. Even if someone tried to tell them about God, they are uninterested, unconcerned about their spiritual life because of their hardness of heart. They would rather focus on me, myself, and I. Third characteristic, they have become callous to sin. Verse, the first part of verse 19. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality. The word callous here is where we get our English term calcification. The calcification of a bone that it becomes hard. Their hearts, their spirits have become so insensitive that they have become hardened in their way of life. They like their sin. They enjoy their sin. They have given themselves up to sensuality. It's the life they know. Don't you dare tell me that what I'm doing is wrong. Don't you dare tell me that you disagree with the way that I live my life. Callous. A callousness that had given them up, themselves up so that they had given themselves up to sensuality. And then fourth, the fourth characteristic. They are greedy to practice every kind of impurity the end of verse 19 not only are they hardened in their sin not only do they enjoy their sin they want to explore it even more they want to find out if there are new ways to indulge the flesh if there are ways to gratify themselves that they have not yet heard about or known about or experienced they're greedy to practice every kind of impurity Perhaps no section in the entire Bible describes how Paul uses the word Gentiles here than Romans chapter 1. There is that important section, Romans 1 verses 18 through 32, which by the way we're going to look at more in tonight's message. But I want to read just a few verses from that section. Romans 1 verse 18 and verses 21 through 22. It's going to be on the screen for you. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness, notice this, suppress the truth. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. Now watch this. For they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And I want you to notice the parallel between Romans 1 
and Ephesians chapter 4. They became futile. There's that word again. Futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. And so Paul says, you dear believers in Ephesus, now this I say, And testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. And so he says in verse 20, But that is not the way you learned Christ. When you see how the Gentiles live, how they act, their self-centered, self-absorbed way, Know this, that is not the way you learn Christ. That is not the way of Christ. That is not the way of your Savior. You are now distinct. You are now different. You are now, in essence, set apart from the world. Oh yes, you live in the world. But right in the midst of the world, you are to be different. Because you now know different. You know Jesus. You've come to know The saving gospel of Jesus Christ, his mercy, his kindness, his free gift of salvation. You have experienced that. You have come to know the two greatest commandments, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. You now understand Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the peacemakers. You are now the people of the love of Christ, of the compassion of Christ, of the holiness of Christ, And of the righteousness of Christ. So no longer live as the Gentiles do. Because that is not the way of Christ. That is not the way of your Savior. Verse 20 is a transitional verse. That's going to lead us into part 2 of this message. Where we will look at more of what it means to put off the old self. And to put on the new self. But as we... Share the Lord's Supper together this morning. I want you to focus on this. You are no longer the person you used to be. God has called every one of us as believers in Jesus Christ. He has called us to be distinct and to be different. Not in a legalistic way. Not, oh, this is how I wear my clothes or this is how I wear my hair. But rather in your character traits, in your love in your compassion, in your kindness, in your righteousness, in your goodness. So at this time, with those thoughts in mind, we are going to share the Lord's Supper together.